is Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Thursday, October 27, 2022, and today will be better than yesterday. Producing today from the Schwenk Studios in the foothills of Connecticut is Taylor Schwenk. Sarah Abbott is working from the Sarah Abbott Studios in Bristol, Connecticut, and I'm Buster Only getting ready to head out to Houston for the start of the World Series. Guys, right around the corner after a few days off. Buster, your name popped up in my inbox this morning. You'll be calling the games on radio as you've done in years past. Does that ever, as a lifelong baseball guy, do you ever, are you like, eh, I could do without it. It's my job. It's whatever. You always amped for it. I'd have to imagine you are. No, it's really cool. And I, I got to say, you know, and I'm doing the uh, post-game interviews with the, you know, they call them the hero interviews uh, with the guys who are the stars of the game and waiting after after the game and do those for SportsCenter, for ESPN Radio. That's a lot of fun, like to catch oh, yeah. those guys in the moment, at, like at the height of their careers. And I can remember specifically, you know, guys like David Wright uh, in a World Series game, uh, seeing the emotion in their faces, you're talking to them. That's pretty cool. So I'm I'm excited to get there. I just have to find enough shirts packed in case this World Series goes seven games. What do you think? <laughs> I don't know, Sarah. What what's your what's Sarah Abbott's prediction for the World Series? Let's get it out yeah. of her right at the top. Of <laughs> well, the we already know she's a lifelong Phillies fan. We got to put it she down in stone. She she decided that last week. She's a lifelong Phillies fan. Lifelong Phillies fan as of two weeks. Two weeks. Thank you. Okay. So, okay. I'm still I'm still very fresh in this. Obviously, my heart and soul is with the Phillies for various <laughs> reasons. So I think, you know what? I think they're going to win. And I know I'm in the minority on that, but I don't care. I think they're going to win. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. Well, it's some combination. The reason why, as we established in the podcast on Monday, some combination of Taylor Swift and Miles Teller and uh, I don't know, you know, cheesesteaks. Uh, we'll have to dig into that again on Friday when I know you're going to unveil your Taylor Swift songs for this particular World Series. I already have them locked and loaded. I texted Taylor. I've been waiting for this moment my whole life. This is <laughs> since I am a lifelong Phillies fan. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Some other notes. The Miami Marlins announced on Tuesday that they've hired Skip Schumacher as their new manager. The Kansas City Royals are deep into their search, and among the finalists is Dodgers first base coach Clayton McCullough, who's been viewed by other teams as kind of a secret weapon of what the Dodgers have done in recent years. The St. Louis Post-Dispatch reported earlier today that Adam Wainwright is coming back for 2023. I got to say, we, we kind of believe that after uh, talking with him in early May that he would pitch another season. He is building on a borderline Hall of Fame resume, so... Now, maybe if he gets to 200 wins, that'll help his case. By the way, lots of changes coming to the Cardinals coaching staff. Hitting coach Jeff Albert has stepped down. Mike Maddox resigned. He might be reassigned to a lesser role in the organization. Reportedly, he told the team that he's looking for less of a grind in terms of his schedule. And the team's bullpen coach has been reassigned. So despite the fact that the Cardinals won their division, lots of changes with that coaching staff. The Astros and the Phillies getting ready for the World Series. Early on Wednesday, the Phillies were preparing to travel to Philadelphia, and Rob Thompson, their manager, announced that Aaron Nola will start Game 1 of the World Series. Zach Wheeler will start in Game 2. Here's what he had to say. First two games will go Nola-Wheeler, just to give Wheels an extra day. The line drive off the off his leg factored in, and, and um, where we were in, the, uh, in their lineup factored in. There was a lot of factors, but... I think the numbers 
speak to the fact that both him and Nola on an extra day's rest, their numbers are a lot better. And anytime we can give those guys an extra day, we'd do it. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NextGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Jeff Passon covers baseball for ESPN. And Jeff, uh, we're going to get to the World Series first. Uh, I'm going to push back that conversation because you're going to pick the Astros, right? I mean, how can you pick against the Astros versus the Phillies? Which way are you going there? I've talked with a few people this week who actually said, no, you're wrong. The Phillies are going to win this. It's going to be Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler doing their thing and Sir Anthony Dominguez and Jose Alvarado doing their thing and Bryce Harper and JT Real Muto and Kyle Schwarber and Reese Hoskins doing their thing. And the top end talent there for the Phillies is enough to overwhelm the depth that the Astros have. I don't okay. agree with that. You heard I don't that from agree. other people. Are you buying that, though? No, I don't agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think, let's put it this way. I do think the Phillies are in the best position out of the three teams the Astros are going to have faced this postseason to challenge them and to give them a difficult time. But I, I was talking with an evaluator earlier today, and he was like, where's the Astros' weakness? And... I had to sit there and think for a while, and the best I could come up with is the bottom of their lineup. Maybe exactly like that. And, and if and if that's if that's the best you can do, I you know I, I wrote a column uh, off of Game Four, talking about what makes the Astros as great as they are, and it's the fact that their starting rotation goes so deep that we've seen Luis Garcia, who is a good major league starter in for five innings this year. And those were the last five innings of the 18 inning game against Seattle. Um, we we've seen uh, a, a defense that uh, had one error during the ALCS 
from position players. And that was Jose Altuve going deep into the hole for a bad spin backhand. And the throw was about a foot up the line down to first base. It could have very easily been a hit. It wasn't, but either way, they, they play extremely clean baseball. They pitch well, their depth is phenomenal. The top of their lineup, especially really hits. And even a guy like Yuli Gurriel, who's not in that vaunted top five of theirs, Yuli uh, Gurriel's a guy who's been in postseasons past and has performed and is performing again this postseason. So I'm not going to suggest that the Astros are going to complete this thing at 11 and 0 and go down as the most dominant postseason team of all time. Uh, but if that happened, would it entirely surprise me? No, because they are really just that good. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, there's no doubt. And I think it is within the realm of possibility that they run the table, which would be pretty phenomenal in this era. Oh. You know, all the, the layers, including the layer of, of waiting for the other team, you know, the potential yeah. competition to, to come through the wild card round. So uh, pretty remarkable what the Astros do. And I'm going to get back to you on that and ask you about the pathway for the Phillies, you know, potentially to win this World Series. But before that, we have started into the conversation about the upcoming offseason. And, look, teams can't bid on free agents yet. Uh, that isn't going to take place until after the World Series. But you do get a sense when you talk to club executives around baseball about teams that might be aggressive generally or teams that are going to be active or agents will say, hey, watch this club and you know maybe they'll move here. Tell me about some of that that you're hearing right now, Jeff, uh, in, in terms of – just the early feel for what's going to happen this winter. The Giants are at the very top of that list. Um, they are shedding a significant amount of payroll. And with Buster Posey retired with uh, Brandon Belt and Brandon Crawford, and potentially Evan Longoria on the way out. The, you know, these are veterans, especially uh, Posey, Belt and Crawford, who were the core of championship teams and who really defined a decade of baseball in San Francisco. And uh, they're in a very transitional period right now where this financial might that they have that they haven't put to grand use in recent years, I think is is going to come out and they are going to be fire breathing dragons in in free agency. And that means, yes, they are going to go after Aaron Judge. And yes, they are going to go after a shortstop, uh, potentially, if they don't get Judge. And maybe even if they do get Judge, uh, they have a ton of room to go out and spend. Uh, the, the Dodgers are always going to be there. And uh, the amount of money the Dodgers have coming off their payroll now, I think, gives them the flexibility as if they need flexibility to go out and do it. John, John Moselock talked about the St. Louis Cardinals today saying uh, they're going to be spending more money. The Chicago Cubs certainly, uh, I think, have a chance to go out and be players for big names. The, the Mets have to because their roster by free agency is getting decimated and you know, they're not going to come into the 2023 season with any worse of a roster than they had in 2022. I think we have established at this point that that is the Steve Cohen way. He is going to have an excellent on paper roster. Um, It's interesting, Buster. Have you heard Trey Turner mentioned with the Phillies a bunch? I mean, I've heard that in speculation, yeah. but 
Uh, I've heard that, and I, I've speculated when we played during the season, we would play the fun game of shortstop musical chairs and where yeah. will Dansby Swanson land and where will Xander Bogarts land, uh, you know, and, and Trey Turner. And you know what? I, I mean, given what's uh, what Bryson Stott has been doing, I, are they necessarily going to be in that marketplace given how top-heavy their payroll is? That's what I wonder. And it's one of those things where if the Phillies bombed out in the wild card round, you could see Trey Turner going a lot more easily to Philadelphia. But if uh, if they win the World Series, my goodness, it's the, the best of all worlds, right? Either you have won a World Series and can go on Broad Street and celebrate, uh, or you don't win a World Series and you could potentially go out and get Trey Turner. Like everything is coming up Philadelphia right now in all realms uh, of the sporting world. Um, back to the back to free agency. I, I think the Mariners are going to be real players in the shortstop market. Um, so I anticipate that they're going to go out and add another bat. Um, the Yankees, I think, have to be involved in things because if they don't bring Aaron judge back, Ooh, that lineup, like it, it could be a real problem. Um, and it, I, I don't know that this is going to be the case, but the Baltimore Orioles should spend. They absolutely should go out and compliment Adley Rushman and Gunnar Henderson. Heston Kierstad's been really good in the fall league. Colton Kowser had a fantastic year this year. Grayson Rodriguez is going to be coming up. Like, they have a wave coming in right now from what has been the best farm system in baseball. And there's a real chance, I think, for the Orioles to contend as soon as this upcoming season, and you can make an argument that they were even contending this year. They finished three games back at Tampa Bay for that final wild card spot. And while certainly there was some luck involved uh, in the Orioles ascent this year, you know, they were an over 500 team with a negative run differential. Uh, They have made the improvements there in order to take that leap in 2023. So are you buying it? Eduardo Perez was on here last week and we played the shortstop uh, game of musical chairs. And he mentioned uh, Carlos Correa with the Orioles and the connection there is obvious. Michael Elias was with the mm-hmm. Astros when they drafted Correa. And I just said to him, I said, look, I, I, you know, it makes sense. They certainly have the payroll flexibility to do it. I can't see them doubling their payroll by signing one guy. <laughs> is that, you know what I mean? That that's what would be required to sign Correa. So, are you buying any of the Orioles Correa speculation? I think it's not unreasonable necessarily, but we, we, you know, when we're comparing it to their payroll of this past season, their payroll of this past season was anomalous, right? Like compared to all the other teams in baseball, especially all the other contenders, uh, the Orioles paled. Um, I think they like Henderson at shortstop. And uh, the the question for them that they would have to ask themselves is, do, do we move this kid over from shortstop to third like we did Manny Machado? And if we do that, what do we do with Ramon Urias, who is like a three to four win player, just sneaky under the radar, really good player. I, I suppose he could play second base and – uh, you could put him there, but at the you know at the same time, these are these are good problems to have, and uh, I I think when it's all said and done, um, 
it's going to be really interesting to see what they do. There's also the Jorge Mateo uh, situation. Like, he was another good player. The The Orioles have first-world problems right now, Buster, and it's been a long, long time since we've been able to say that. So a team you didn't mention that I've heard from some agents uh, about are the Texas Rangers. Yes, of course. I skipped right over Texas. Yeah, Texas yeah, is going to be – Texas is going to be – in pitching especially. Texas is going to be on everyone. And uh, listen, I understand that the New York Mets have a lot of boxes to check this offseason and that the fans, I don't quite get this, but the fans' instinct is to put Edwin Diaz at the top of that list. Um, if Jacob deGrom's not at the top of the list, I think it's I, I, I think you're misplacing your priorities. And look, the Mets know more than all of us and more than every other team about Jacob deGrom's health about his future and if they're not going to be involved in that bidding then that that's kind of an alarming thing for other teams but is there a better fit for him than texas right now no absolutely no. not uh you know i i said during the season i was hearing from people around the game i'm sure you were too that they were wondering if Degrom in 2023 would wind up with the braves i feel like that part of the reason why the braves were aggressive on charlie morton was they wanted to veer around the Jacob deGrom conversation because <laughs> they knew that the fan base would be clamoring for it. I don't think the Mets are going to resign deGrom because I, I think they understand that in order to sign him, you have to give him just about as much as you Scherzer can. Money. Scherzer. He's yeah. a younger pitcher. Do you want to have four for 160 given to deGrom and, you know, the remaining two years, two at 43 for Max Scherzer? I don't think they're going to do that. I, and I don't know. Maybe I'll be surprised. And I, I, there's no doubt, the Rangers would be with without the Braves involved. And I think the the Morton signing takes the Braves out of that conversation for a veteran starter. Then Degrom and Carlos Rodon, if they didn't wind up with one of the at least one of those two guys, I'd be shocked. What about I was going to say they they could they could theoretically go out and get both of them, Adam to John Gray. Um, you know, maybe they go for Martin Perez and DeGrom if they they don't want to spend quite as much money. And you've got Kumar Rocker coming. Jack Leiter didn't have a great year this year. Um, uh, I'll be curious to see how he bounces back in 2023. But uh, there are other pitchers in that organization. And the Rangers have a good farm system right now. And Nate Lowe's emergence this year, I think, was huge for that lineup. Um, Marcus Simeon came back from a bad start to wind up having a pretty productive year. Corey Seager was really good. So the, the Rangers free agent moves, I think in the end were, were net positives in the short term. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll see at the seventh year of Simeon's contract or at the eighth or ninth or 10th year of Seager's contract, whether that's still the case, but, uh, the Rangers recognize that, look, they have a window that's going to be opening up pretty soon where, Simeon, Seeger, Lowe, and others are still OG, in quite yeah. frankly. Yeah, you know? Bruce Bochy coming in to manage, like, you know, he's he's not a spring chicken. So they want to win now. And if you want to win now, you go out and sign the best free agents and have them play alongside your young players. And I, in the American League West, it's going to be really interesting to see what that division looks like in the coming years uh, and, and how the decisions of the Rangers this offseason and of the Mariners could influence the big decision of the Los Angeles Angels, what to do with Shohei Otani. Yeah. And then and that will... 
uh, evolve and take shape. And we'll, we'll have a pretty good idea. I think by the time we get uh, to January 1st, what's yeah. going to happen with Otani, you know, whether he signs with the angels or they're going to put him out on the market at some point during the middle of next season. And we'll all lose our minds leading up to trade deadline. Um, I'll be one more market question for you. John Mazalock, head of baseball ops for the Cardinals said on Wednesday that, you know, that they having conversations with Nolan Arenado about his opt out seems pretty simple to me that they're going to wind up probably giving him some, you know, one year addition extension to his deal and, and uh, to buy him out of that uh, to make sure that he keeps stays around because he's an yeah. important part of the team and he seems to love playing there. I don't get the impression Nolan Arenado is going anywhere. No. Um, he, you know, St. Louis was a pretty hand-picked destination for him. And when you ask out uh, like he did in Colorado or, or when you, when you essentially give the impression you don't want to be there anymore, you better not screw up where you're going. And he had arguably the best year of his career this year. And, uh, you know, I did a pretty big story on him earlier this season and he just felt comfortable. And and I think also now dissatisfied because the Cardinals should be better than they are. There are still weaknesses there. There are still problems there. Um, I, I almost look at them like a lesser version of the Astros where there's nothing that you look at and say, this is a huge problem, but you can look at stuff like the, the depth of their offense, like the depth of their bullpen, like the depth of their starting pitching and say, you know, they have good guys. They just need more well above average to great guys. And there would be an argument along those lines for them to be aggressive and get an elite number one starter, right? Yeah. I mean, you're, you, no we talked about the window. Uh, when you have an, an aging Paul Goldschmidt and you have Nolan Arenado, who's on the backside of his career, uh, the rest of the makeup of that team, it would make sense for them, to me, you know, to go and, and spend on a, on a Rodon, on a DeGrom, one of those type of guys. I mean, uh, you know, Justin Verlander um, yeah. is going gonna, is gonna to have a – very interesting off season. And uh, clearly he is comfortable in Houston. He likes it there. The organization has treated him well. Um, and, and he wants to go championship hunting at this point. So I, I could very easily see him resigning there, but I'll tell you if Jacob DeGrom's getting 40 something million dollars, uh, if Max Scherzer got $43.3 million, Justin Verlander coming off of a Cy Young winning season, which he's going to have, has every right to ask for something in that vicinity. And it'll be interesting to see, uh, number one, which teams accede to that. But number two, how many years is he going to get? Like, Justin Verlander is going to be 40 in in February, I believe. And uh, he has, you know, I remember talking with him almost half a decade ago now where he said he wanted to pitch until 45. And I just sort of chuckled at it at that point. Um, is Justin Verlander, Tom Brady buster? No, he's I don't Ryan. I, you know, okay. I remember I, I we did a, an E60 on him right after he won the MVP award. And this is always stuck out with me. You know, I asked him, you know, what he wanted to accomplish in his career. And most players, you ask that question, you know, and, you know, uh, I, I want to win a championship, that uh-huh. sort of thing. Verlander's answer was, I want to do everything I can to get in the Hall of Fame, which really helped to shape what, where you see, saw his ambition. Yeah. 
And the second thing that came away was how much reverence he had for Nolan Ryan. And I asked him in that interview, why, why do you like Nolan Ryan so much? And he goes, because he was a power pitcher into his mid forties and he never changed. Well, guess who that sounds like now. And and I do think, you know, and, and if you were to ask him, I think, uh, you know, in a, especially in a group setting of reporters, what do you think about 300 wins? He would dismiss it. I do think that's something that's going to be coming on that man's radar because he's that competitive, you know? Yes, he is. And so. and listen, he's not like he's not that far away from it either, right? No, I mean, that's he, a, he's like 64 wins, 60 at this point, 63 wins. He's he's within range, you know? Of a guy, yeah, not, not even it's it's 50, 56 wins shy right now. Right. And if he plays three more seasons, probably not. Um, though he did get 18 this year, so that would get him awfully close. If he if he can play four more seasons, uh I I certainly think 300 is a possibility, which is absolutely wild, by the way. Yeah. I, I was I was never the person who thought there's never gonna be a 300 game winner again because there are outliers. You know, even even in a sport that has conspired against pitchers winning that many games, um, there's always going to be the freak of freaks. Maybe Justin Verlander's that freak. Yeah. Two minutes. I know you got to run. Uh, tell me the Phillies' path to winning this World Series if it happens. Uh, I think they absolutely have to steal a game in Houston, whether it's one or two. And that's going to take beating Justin Verlander, Framber Valdez, but at least they're going to have Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler on the hill. And I think they need to win at least three out of four of Nola and Wheeler starts. Uh, Verlander, to me, is potentially just based purely on his stuff that we've seen in this postseason. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's overwhelmed hitters the way he was before he got hurt. I, like I wouldn't be surprised if he's sort of nursing through something. Because he's not—he doesn't have the same dominant stuff they did early in the year. Does that make sense? Yeah, uh, but you know, if Dusty Baker knows that, acknowledges it, and doesn't fall in love with the name, but rather looks at the stuff, he can go to Hunter Brown, Brian Abreu, uh, Rafael Montero, Ryan Presley. Uh, <laughs> it's just like it's—it's it's such a it, Ryan Stanek. Um, like I'm forgetting the guy with the lowest ERA in the bunch. It's just such a, a litany of ridiculous arms. That, that the Astros have in their bullpen. Of, of all their strengths, their bullpen might be the greatest, which is a wild thing to say, considering a few years ago uh, in 2017 when they won their championship, it was on the backs of starters and almost starters alone. And I, I think that shows organizations you learn your lesson. And the, the bullpen that James Click put together this year was remarkable. For the record, uh, World Series, you're picking the Astros. And how many games and who's the MVP? Uh, Astros in six, MVP, Jordan Alvarez. Yeah, you and I both went for the low-hanging fruit. That matches what I, I will. I, Buster, when it comes to picks, I will always go for the low-hanging fruit because, uh, you know, go, going out there, like, I, I appreciate, like, the 50-to-1, 100-to-1 moonshot, um, but I'd rather increase my percentage to actually be right. And considering my picks uh, in the wild card series this year, uh, I wasn't, but you know, at least I had the Astros going to the world series. At least I got the ALCS, right? There you go. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Sure thing, man. Take care. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? 
Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code baseball. That's code baseball. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. This is the Numbers Game with Sarah Langs. Sarah Langs, reporter and a producer for MLB.com. Sarah, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Buster. I just can't wait for Friday. Well, I was going to say, you've had now two days of no baseball. Uh, it's just, uh, it must be driving you crazy. Well, I've been watching Dominican uh, Winter League games, so at least we have that. But I will say I miss MLB baseball. I keep saying, oh, I'll go to bed early. I should take advantage of this. And somehow I'm up late watching the NBA. So I need these World Series games to start. So I'm going to give you some numbers, okay? Uh, And then I'm going to ask you for a comp for what these numbers might represent. Uh, A 188 ERA, a 0.93 whip, okay, walks and hits, you know, per nine inning, uh, or per inning, uh, 178 batting average against, and at least 11.1 strikeouts per nine innings, okay? Those are the numbers of the Houston Astros staff during the course of this postseason. And so I was trying to figure out a way to explain just how great their pitching has been because we're hearing Yankees fans going nuts and calling for the firing of Aaron Boone, uh, calling for major changes all over the place and going, no, it's the Astros pitching. Well, you know, when you hear those numbers, what's a good comp to explain to people how good the Astros pitching has been? So, first of all, those numbers are absolutely insane. Now, if you look at that and you add in 72 innings, which is how many they've thrown, this is what you asked me. I want to give you credit for saying, hey, is there a starting pitcher who has done this? So we look at the course of all seasons in baseball history. This has happened four times by a starting pitcher. We had Jacob DeGrom in 2021, but of course he only threw 92 innings because he got injured. We had a 108 ERA, 055 whip, 129 upon average, 14.3 strikeouts per nine. Then in 2020, when no pitcher threw more than about 75 innings, Shane Bieber and Trevor Bauer, who won the Scion Awards, each did it. But the only pitcher to do this be what the Houston Astros have been for a full season as a starting pitcher, Pedro Martinez in the year 2000. 217 innings, a 174 ERA, 074 width, 167 opponent batting average and 11.8 strikeouts per nine. So in defense of the Mariners, the Yankees, and potentially soon to be the Phillies, 
they're basically facing 2,000 Pedro Martinez every single time they come up to the plate. Yeah, peak Pedro Martinez. 99 and 2,000 are the Pedro Martinez's two best seasons. That's how good the Astros pitching has been. So don't tell me Aaron Boone's decision on a bullpen piece in the fifth inning of, that, of game three was decisive in the Yankees losing. No, the Astros are winning because they're completely dominating. All right, let's play the numbers game. Number three. Number three is 73. So speaking of the Astros, they have dominant pitching and an incredible baseball life in Dusty Baker leading them. So he will be 73 years and 135 days old for game one on Friday. That makes him the oldest manager to reach the World Series, surpassing Jack McKeon in 2003, who was 72 years and 329 days old. And I feel like we probably talked about all of these numbers last year, and now I'm here adding on the season's worth to them. He's managed 91 postseason games, the most by anyone to never win a World Series, at least not yet. And 2,093 regular season wins. Ninth most overall. And again, at least for now, the most without a World Series title. Number two. Number two is 19. So the Phillies won 19 fewer regular season games than the Astros this year. That is the second largest difference in regular season wins entering a World Series behind only 1906 in the World Series. We've already talked about this series this postseason because the White Sox won 23 fewer than the Cubs, and they upset the Cubs in the World Series. We've talked about it this year because that is the largest regular season wins upset in any postseason series, but the second largest happened two weeks ago in the NLDS between the Padres and the Dodgers. That was a 22-win difference. If the Phillies were to pull this off, this would be the fourth largest such upset overall and the second largest in a World Series. We'll see, but it has happened very recently. Number one. Number one is 20-5. and So I figured it's a good time as we gear up for the World Series to check in on some different trends as they've developed throughout this postseason. So we talked a lot on Sunday Baseball, honestly, during the regular season and then during the series we had between the Padres and the Mets about out-homering opponents in the playoffs and what happened when you did that. So last postseason, teams went 25-2. and So far this year, teams are 20 and 5. So we've seen more losses, but overall, the trend is there that overwhelmingly over the last two years and even further back in the postseason, you out homer your opponents, you're going to win that game. And so far this this postseason, we've seen 46.2% of runs scored via homers. It was 49% on the dot last postseason, so it's down a little bit, but it is up from the regular season when it was 39.8, and it just shows how hard those runs are to come by when you get to October and now November. 
Yeah, and I, you know, when you look at this series, Sarah, there's no doubt. I mean, if the Phillies win, it's going to be because they hit a lot of home runs. That's what they do. And I also feel like that the other potential difference maker is that bullpen. Like if the, if the Phillies wind up winning this World Series, I think we have to look back and and say, yes, the Phillies bullpen was a surprise in the World Series. Would you agree with me? Absolutely. I mean, I think if the Phillies win, we talked about this the other day, but there are going to be so many correlations between them and the 2019 Nationals. And I think one thing that really distinguished them was a bullpen that, as we talked about, I think last week, was very maligned during the regular season, figured it out in the playoffs. Again, theirs was mostly because of starters coming out of the bullpen, which is not what the Phillies have done, minus Ranger Suarez and I guess Zach Eflin. But we'll see whether they're able to rise above. But the thing is, that Astros bullpen is incredible as well. They're part of all of those numbers we were listing at the beginning. And uh, my colleague, Mike Petrello, wrote a great story on MLB.com, I believe, yesterday, where he tried to find the weak link in the Astros pitching. And he goes all the way down. There is none. I mean, every single name, there is not a weak link, starters or relievers. All right, Sarah. Matt Vescursion was the Sunday night baseball play-by-play man in recent seasons. Here's what he had to say about you. Sarah, Matt Vescursion with greetings and well wishes for you. I was just thinking about the first time you and I worked together officially because I had heard of you for a long time. Uh, and I remember vividly sitting in a hotel room in St. Louis, drafting an email to you, asking for rankings and names and figures and quantifications that I thought maybe would take you, I don't know, a couple days to get back to me with. And it was not an urgent thing. I think you turned it around in about eight minutes. I responded back to you immediately. What took you so long? And at that point, I knew that everything I'd always heard about your work was um, spot on accurate. Anyway, wanted to give you my best. You have legions of fans in this game. You're uh, probably a more important person in baseball than you would ever care to contemplate, and uh, we're all rooting for you. Yeah, and so Matt Vescursion's home run call, as you know, Sarah, is Santa Maria, okay? I think your home run call would be baseball is the best. You know what I mean? Anytime anybody at home run, what do you think? Would you do that, or do you have another home run call that you liked as your favorite? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I think it would have to be. I mean, what else is there? I feel like at this point, people really associate that with me, which is so funny. I remember when they sort of started saying that more and more, and it's just because there's so many moments that really just make me think that so instantaneously. And I want to thank you and thank Matt for that, for those kind words. I remember his response, that email that he said, what took you so long? And that is exactly who he is in terms of just the way he interacts with people and his humor. So thank you so much. Well, I'd say this, Sarah, if your home run call was baseball, this is the best for home runs for the team you covered and the home runs of the other team, like you'd be fired by an owner. Like he wouldn't want to hear it, you know? Like you're a Red Sox announcer and Aaron Judge hits a home run. He's not going to want to hear you say (laughs) baseball is the best, right? Yeah, the whole towing the line thing probably wouldn't work in that case. But, you know, it would be interesting to see the outcry from all the home fans in that situation. 
<laughs> All right, Sarah. Thanks for doing this. Thanks so much for having me. Bleacher Tweets. All righty, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for a Thursday. Bleacher Tweets are brought to you by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Ken's Cardboard at Norm Booth writes in, why wouldn't Major League Baseball move the World Series up a couple days to Wednesday? Not like they had had other things to do between the series. I feel like this is a thing they decided on a long time ago. Yeah, but that's uh, their broadcast partners do, right? They, they set their schedule right. well in advance, and so uh, their broadcast partners... Once you lock in dates like that, um, you know, the broadcast partners will schedule other events in other days. So that's that's the primary reason. It's called having a schedule norm. Lee Patrick yep. Sullivan at the LPS beat writes in after Verlander was traded. I sent a bleacher tweet asking if Verlander wins two more Cy Youngs and two World Series, would he wear an Astro or Tiger hat in the Hall of Fame? You and Josh laughed saying, yeah, that's not easy to do. Uh, care about the question now, care to answer the question now, excuse me, from Pat Lee Patrick, who has a long memory, apparently. Yeah. Uh, and I think at that time, I mean, 2017, that was like four years ago, and I'm counting up the number of wins. It was like 40 years ago. Here's the, to, to date, Justin Verlander's 183 wins with the Detroit Tigers and 61 with the Astros. He's literally three times as many <laughs> wins with the Tigers. Okay. Uh, it, it could be closer. If he won a world series this year, he's going to win a Cy Young. It, it definitely moves closer, but I don't feel bad about my answer a few years ago. And I don't feel bad in saying now, I, I think at this point, it's still the Tigers. Buster does not regret laughing. It's uh, it's noted here on the podcast. Okay. Uh, Mitchell at Tigers Detroit writes in the Astros are an obvious favorite in the world series, but where do you put the odds of them finishing a perfect 11 and 0 in the postseason. Yeah, that's so tough. You know, I just have a hard time. They actually can pull that off. I think at some point, you know, the Phillies with a great experience lineup with Zach Wheeler, they're going to pull out at least one game. T Taylor, I haven't gotten your official pick for the World Series. What do you got? Oh, man, it's really tough. I've been considering putting money down on the on the Phillies. Um, my heart says Astros and six. Uh, and I'll, I'll stick with Astros and six. It's lame, but I'll go for it. Low hanging fruit as you and Jeff identified. Yeah, it's an easy, I think at this point, it's kind of an easy choice. Yeah. Uh, Louisville slugger is up next. Uh, Louisville slugger writes in, what do you think of Bryce Harper's F hall of fame chances by old school standards? He has the star power MVPs and now the postseason moment, but do the current saber metrics standards favor him? He probably needs to do a little bit more work. Uh, but not much. I think eventually he would get in the hall. If he were to retire today, he would get in the Hall of Fame at some point. Uh, if you're talking about, in other words, uh, you know, with a special committee uh, after the fact or maybe in his 10th year on the ballot, that sort of thing, because he's won two MVPs. He's won a rookie of the year. He's been a star. His adjusted OPS is 142, which is in the same neighborhood as Harmon Killebrew, Hall of Famer, Eddie Matthews, Hall of Famer, Chipper Jones, Hall of Famer. So I think he gets in. But, you know, next year he's going to hit his 300 career homer. In two years he's going to drive in his, uh, you know, thousandth run. Uh, you know, he probably you know, will uh, put up some numbers in the World Series this year. They're going to remember him for. So he's still building. But I, I think eventually he would get in. He would not be a slam dunk guy right now. P.K. Steinberg writes in, given that the Nationals, Braves, and Phillies were all sub-500 in June – uh, in which they appeared in the World Series, does that indict the Angels' failures even more? 
PK, I, I, I hear you, but I don't think the point necessarily is about the Angels uh, because the Angels were never really that good the whole year. You know, even though we looked at a lineup with Trout and Otani, you figure they should be able to figure it out. Uh, it feels like that just about all their pitching investments evaporate. I think it's more of an indictment of the teams that don't try to upgrade during the year, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, during the year, the Red Sox in 2021, you remember they were leading the division and they didn't really do a lot that helped them immediately. They yeah. added Kyle Schwarber, but he wasn't available for a month. Uh, and so I, I thought they should have been more aggressive at that time. I thought this year there were teams that should have been more aggressive at the deadline because you're looking at the Phillies, you know, as an 87-win team, now four wins away from winning the championship. If you don't upgrade at the trade deadline and you know you have holes to fill, you're basically seeding that opportunity. And I've had so many baseball executives through the year tell me, look, Getting the opportunity to actually win in the postseason, that's not something you should take for granted. Yeah, I think there's a lot of push and pull between kind of that that long game that you see teams that tank are playing and, you know, they're still trying to game out a couple years ahead and, you know, and not everything's going to run how you think it will. You got to you got to live in the moment. Yeah, uh, let's go to Reggie for the last one at Baseball Yoda, whether Reggie writes in Buster. Some teams are going with experienced hands at managers. Should the Royals go after a proven guy who is a free agent, Joe Madden, or is this the chance Carlos Beltran needs to become a manager given his history as a former Royals player? They just had Mike Matheny, who had tons of experience, and that didn't go well, right? Mm. Uh, somebody had been manager for years with the Cardinals. I, I I wouldn't worry about getting someone with a lot of experience. I'd worry about someone who who's really good at helping players get better during the course of, you know, their time with a major league team. I think that's an underrated part of what uh, separates some really good teams like the Dodgers, which is why I think Clay McCullough, their first base coach, who's viewed as kind of a secret weapon by other teams. I've talked to teams that say, when you call the Dodgers about Clayton McCullough, they're like, nah, I don't know if we're going to let you talk to them. <laughs> like, they're not very enthusiastic. Uh, they haven't been about giving him uh, opportunities to work in other organizations. He's going to manage a team at some point in the big leagues, and I wouldn't be surprised if that was the Royals next year. All right, there you have it, Reggie. There you have it, Bleacher Tweeters. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter. We're going to have one more show on Friday this week, normal time-ish. Uh, normal players, and we're going to hear from Hembo before the World Series yeah. begins. Very oh, excited about and that. we're going to hear how how you know how crazy he's going. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's weeping with excitement. The Phillies <laughs> being in the World Series, we know he's been on the Bryce Harper bandwagon for a few years. He's going to vent about that, I'm sure, and we're going to get an update as to whether or not his his uh, two baby daughters have looked at him with a big smile on his face. Mm-hmm. All right, or on their faces. All right, that's it for today. My thanks to Sarah, Jeff, Sarah, and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day.